Welcome to episode 143 of Coffee Pods and Wads. As always, this episode is sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, the ultimate fitness focus drink to support your performance, and BurrBoxCoachDevelopment.com, which will help you develop as a coach in a personal sense through self-discovery while learning academically about the psychological side of coaching. And you can use the code PODS for 20% off that. Uh, there's a pre-sale of show uh, apparel launched on the website. Um, I'm insanely proud of the clothes being made, but only what is ordered will be made. Um, so don't hang around thinking that you'll get it later on the pre-sale ends on Sunday and once the orders are closed that's it um, we have t-shirts, crop tops, tanks, vests, long sleeves, sweatshirts and hoodies um, and you can use the code bundle of joy uh, all one word because we're expecting a second child um, for a discount if you're ordering multiple items um, so if you're ordering like more than one thing you get like 15% off your total order um i really appreciate the support on this any of the profits made just immediately go back into the show to make the quality better or to help improve opportunities um further down the line so it's really not taken for granted when someone orders even just one thing makes a huge difference um you can go to coffeepodsandwads.com to see the full range uh today's episode is with matthew philly uh, matt heads up primal mobility and works with basically anyone who needs help with their mobility um including emma lawson the recently crowned fittest teen on earth and emily rolf the recently crowned fittest canadian uh female neither had been crowned at the time of recording recording uh so that's why we're kind of vague about talking about the games and stuff uh we chat about how primal mobility got started and where he hopes to take it as well as some top movement tips for anyone uh, looking to get flexi enjoy listen share and tag so thanks so for doing this first of all um, appreciate you taking the time out. Um, do you like sometimes I find when I talk to people who are really into, um, you know, like specific areas of focus within strength and fitness, they can be kind of weird about like what they put in their body and stuff. Do you drink coffee? It's funny you say that, man. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate the, uh, the invite. This is great. Uh, it's funny you say that because I definitely don't drink coffee and it's not because I'm concerned about, you know, putting too much caffeine or anything like that. Um, really it's just how my body responds to caffeine. And I'm, I would say I'm a total lightweight to it. So if I have caffeine, I'm freaking out, like I'm buzzing off the walls and then like super high level energy. And then probably two, three hours after that, it's a huge crash. And then basically the rest of my day is kind of ruined. <laughs> You're like a child with sugar. So yeah, exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. Um, exactly like that. And you're uh, you're in Ottawa. Is is there much of a coffee scene there? Yeah, I mean, everyone I talk to is obsessed with coffee, and you know, Starbucks is on every corner. And yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't say it's like a massive coffee scene or anything like that but if it is i'm not involved in it right so i wouldn't know anyways <laughs> yeah, you're on the outside looking in like through the window <laughs> exactly i mean anytime i like go to a gym or meet up with some buddies or something like that they always have a coffee on hand and every person's house you go to they have a coffee machine yeah for me that's that's you know i went through a phase where i tried to have some coffee because i love it i enjoy the taste of it and i love the smell the smell of yeah. it is the, the most have you tried um thing. have you tried decaf no i haven't tried decaf there's I your should, there's your in that's your that's your slow taper up you just yeah, have like exactly. a year of decaf and then slowly start creeping yeah. up it really doesn't make any sense though because i used to take pre-workout and oh yeah that's weird yeah 
I don't know, maybe it's because I would be training right after it. So I would use a lot of the energy that it would give me. Yeah. I haven't really paid much attention to it. So I just try to avoid it just because of how it makes me feel. Yeah, that's bad. Um, I was interested to see you helmed your own uh, podcast. I see a massive mic uh, mid shot there in the screen. So you, uh, it was beyond movement. Is that like, was that a lockdown thing? Was that like a project to kind of eat up some time kind of when you were stuck? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the world shut down and I've always been really passionate about uh, personal growth, uh, especially over the last few years with growing primal. It's kind of forced me to become something bigger than I used to be. Hmm. And because of that, I've just become very passionate about it, very curious about it. And like, in the sense that what makes somebody great versus somebody who's, who's not reaching their goals. Um, and it, yeah, it was just basically a big project just to see, you know, is this something that I want to do uh, in terms of like running a podcast? And it turned out that it was a huge time commitment. And even though I had a, a company kind of running it for me, massive time commitment and, you know, Primal has been growing steadily over the last 16 months, especially over the last eight months. Um, and it was kind of eating up into that. So I wasn't able to continue to kind of devote time to it because it was going to start either taking away time from my family or time from Primal. And I wasn't willing to, to justify that. Yeah. That's interesting. Maybe I just don't give a shit about time being taken away from teaching or like my focus on school or something. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's what my issue is. Um, do you listen to a lot of podcasts then? I do. Yeah. I've, I've been recently listening to more like finance podcasts. I like a lot of, as I said, kind of like personal growth stuff, just like trying to navigate the waters of my own anxiety from my previous life and, it's weird when I say it like that, but, um, yeah, a lot of like personal growth stuff, finance podcasts. And then I've started diving into yours since, uh, we started chatting and I've been loving that one. So yeah, yeah a lot of, uh, a lot of different kind of variety as well, like fitness stuff. Um, do you ever find yourself? Cause finance. obviously if you have a, I guess a heightened understanding of a very specific area of fitness, like, do you ever find yourself listening to fitness podcasts being, you know, like shouting at your headphones be like no that's wrong that's not like you're not telling the right thing i don't think so uh not on podcasts yeah um i think for a lot of things i'm on social media too so i see it all all day basically people talking about things that i wouldn't necessarily agree with but also at the same time i don't i i'm pretty i'm very open-minded so i don't believe that i my approach and our approach at primal is the only approach um, all I know is that our approach is very effective. If you see someone uh, hawking like something that you don't agree with, like that you know factually is incorrect, do you just like avoid, like breeze past it and like not give it a second thought? Or are you ever tempted to be like, I'm going to comment on this and just say like, you know, this isn't scientifically correct? I like to try and have the discussion. Um, I think that, you know, having that communication can just better the community as a whole. Um, and you know, maybe that person has something to tell me that I haven't quite thought of and can offer me a different perspective as well, which is super valuable to me. And I'm constantly trying to learn and, and grow as a coach and a leader to my team as well. And, you know, it never hurts to, to have a discussion like that. So 
and, and you know, we have a team as well of physical therapists on my team and then um, CrossFit coaches, all sorts of different like demographics with uh, within my coaching team. Yeah. And we have discussions on things all the time too. And, you know, I, I'm constantly learning from my team and constantly trying to give education as well. And is, um, with your own background then, uh, have you, so did you have like, an active youth or is like physical activity something you found later in life yeah it was definitely something later like as a kid it was mostly like school sports nothing super crazy I was doing a lot of skateboarding as a kid um just generally being a kid doing dumb things and you know what kind of skateboarding were you doing were you just like pissing around in a park or were you serious about it oh I was just pissing around yeah for sure I was I was never any good as I was watching, I was watching the Olympics yesterday and I skateboarding in the Olympics now. And like, it's fucking insane what they're able to do. Like, it's crazy. And then the, the commentator, I think I understood it correctly. He was like, they get points for doing whatever they do, but they also get points for like how they appear to do what they're doing. So if they're like, basically, if they look apathetic about it, if they look like they don't give a shit, they get more points. Like, so... Style points. Yeah, like, if they land and they're like, holy crap, I can't believe I did that. Or, like, they'll get less points than if they just, like, slowly nod and, like, drift away. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's style points, right? Yeah, I mean, anytime... Like, I, I watched some highlights from the Olympics for the skateboarding, and I never would have attempted any of that i was yeah. way too scared of hurting myself <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one though you know like i've never like obviously i've seen people skateboard and i played i think like everyone i played tony hawk when i was like 12 mm. on the ps1 or whatever but like having seen skateboarding for basically the first time as a like a sporting endeavor on tv within like 20 seconds i was an expert i was like oh i cannot believe he tried the reverse ollie flip like you know i was instantly annoyed at what they were doing on the screen like it made me think of like me who can't do a handstand push-up properly like slagging off no olsen because he can't do one off like a massive deficit like oh come on no get your head out of your ass it's like i can't even do one in the gym like you know it's like yeah i think sport when you're a kid or even as a spectator it's very different from the reality of what is actually experienced um you mentioned earlier on then uh a previous life what did you mean when you said that uh so before i got into fitness um my lifestyle was extremely different uh priorities were all around partying alcohol um so i kind of like it's weird when i say a previous life because that sounds cheesy and ridiculous but it's like it's because i'm just such a different person from what i was was this like college years like that type of age or yeah, it was, yeah, basically like from graduating high school and even that last year of high school all the way to probably 26 years old. Okay. 25, 26, something like that. And like no interest in physical like conditioning or strength or anything like that at that time? Well, I started getting into fitness. Um, it wasn't until I kind of started taking fitness more seriously and using it as an opportunity to um, build a career and dive into a passion of something that I've never felt before. Like before fitness came along and before I started training and actually just being so passionate about it, there was nothing that I could find that I was genuinely interested in. Mm. So 
yeah, it, like before that, it was just kind of like, I'm just training, enjoying it and learning a little bit more about it. But I never kind of left the the scene that I was a big part of at that time, which was a lot of partying stuff. Yeah. So you were kind of, uh, it's like that I'm training a bad diet thing. You were just kind of running away yeah. from, yeah, exactly. using fitness to run away from your problems, basically. Um, yeah, exactly. And was it like, was it... So did you start out as a PT and then kind of hone in on mobility and like movement afterwards or was mobility and movement always the focus from the beginning? Uh, no, it was basically like when I first got into training, it was all just like bro days, bro sesh. Every workout was like just, you know, the glory muscles, chest, biceps, shoulders, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, and then it was, yeah. And I, I started getting more interested in like full body stuff, learning more about anatomy. And then I became a personal trainer and did that for a few years. Um, and then it wasn't until I started really kind of dealing with my own pains, my own injuries and stuff like that, that I started getting a much deeper interest in like the passion wasn't there yet, but the interest was there because I was doing all sorts of foam rolling, all sorts of static stretching and, you know, joint mobilizations, other stuff that I was seeing all over the internet. Um, and it would give me kind of like instant relief towards my pains. And it like, I would do this for months on end and I wasn't seeing sustainable results that would justify the effort that I was putting towards it. So I was starting to get frustrated and mm -hmm. it wasn't until I started applying new things and then started taking more courses that the passion really started to build around it. Cause I was dealing with, uh, ongoing shoulder injuries, uh, dislocations, my left shoulder dislocated seven plus times. Um, I had sciatic pain. I had a brutal hip impingement. I couldn't squat anywhere near parallel for like a year. Um, so I was just looking for answers pretty much. And once I how started, did you, taking how did you courses, dislocate your shoulder so many times? Oh, it started when I was 16 in gym class and then just like progressively okay, got yeah. worse to the point also, like, where it I could like never swim. healed properly the first time kind of thing. No, exactly. Yeah. I was lucky. I didn't absolutely need surgery. I was able to escape that. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, how far away were we then at that point to say like developing an interest in, I guess like fixing your own problems or like you, you've saw a hole in your own arsenal, I suppose that you needed to fill, uh, I guess the kind of a selfish one where you need to fix your own problems. And then that led, I suppose, to like, geez, if I need to do this, other people need to do this. But then how far away were we from say that moment of realization to setting up primal mobility then? It's been an interesting process because it, none of it was like, Oh, this is the, the correct approach to take. This is, it, I was just always following kind of my mo my biggest interest, my biggest passion at the time. Yeah. Um, I've like always really been into the fitness scene um, and growing within that, but it wasn't until I started creating my own little pathway and niche into mobility, flexibility, range of motion in general, that I started really kind of going down that road. So what it was, was that I started taking courses because I needed answers and I knew that it would benefit my craft. I knew yeah. I would become a better coach, uh, personal trainer because of it. Um, and then once I started seeing results with the stuff and um, kind of getting more answers to my own problems, that's when I started kind of diving deeper into it. And 
like carving out that niche for myself. So I started out with fascial stretch therapy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what that is. Um, (laughs) It's, it's an interesting practice. It's like a table-based practice where it sounds intense. You there's straps on the table and you essentially strap the person to the table and take one of their limbs through various uh, planes of motion to elicit different varying stretches. That's a left turn that I was not expecting immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does sound very intense. Um, But what that is, is a very passive approach to stretching. It's basically like it's having somebody else stretch you, right? Also, you're strapped down. So like, because like I'm picturing, say, a hamstring stretch. If you move one leg, the other leg will automatically compensate, like start lifting up. So it just stops that happening, basically, is it? Exactly. So it allows you to get a deeper stretch. So do you, you must have to be really aware of like, there's surely a point of no return there where you could just go like too far on someone who yeah, isn't. Yeah. It could be dangerous for sure. So you have to be very like, you have to be paying attention completely and list, looking for specific cues that the person's body should be giving you. Yeah. Um, you have to go slow regardless, but anyways, it's a very passive approach and that's where it all kind of started for me. So I, I loved that. And that kind of had me diving even deeper into anatomy and, and the fascia and, you know, the, the, um, the approach that it was, was very passive. So the results were insane and fast, but they didn't last. Yeah. Um, and that's what was frustrating at first, but anyway, so that kind of, uh, had me diving into it and becoming more passionate and interested in it. And then from there, I completely stopped personal training, opened up my own studio and, Uh, I just dove right into that. That was all I was offering because it was a specific niche for me. So I saw that as a business opportunity, but it was also something that I was just more passionate about because it was just so quick. The results were instant. Um, Is it a hard sell? Because obviously like you mentioned the word niche there a few times and it's, so there's a lot of like nooks and crannies in the fitness industry, I suppose. And like the, maybe the easier sells are like nutrition where, you know, like, cause a lot of people are quick to realize that they're fucking up their food and they need help with it or they need advice. And then like PT would be another one, like say basic strength and conditioning or say in CrossFit, like gymnastics coaching or whatever, like there's those like kind of glaring holes that people have, but mobility is often the last box that people are willing to tick because it's not like sparkly, Do you know, it's not fun. It's not like, Oh, this is like, look at, look at all the progress I'm seeing. Unless you're like, I want to do the splits or something like it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a very niche aspect in the fitness industry. So was it a hard sell at the start to kind of get it off the ground, like to convince people that this is something that they need to do? Yeah. When we, when I transitioned from in-person to strictly online, that's, that's where things were. It was an insane, insanely hard sell at first. I remember I had, you know, I transitioned from in-person to online and it took me about a month. So I was promoting and promoting and promoting. And then when I launched, I had, four clients. So I was super excited about those new four clients that came on. And then four months later, I had three clients (laughs) and I was like, fuck, (laughs) I was freaking out, man. I was like, I think I made a huge mistake because I had dropped everything in person. I was like, nope, online is the way to go. And this is how I'm going from here on out. And I just dove all my eggs into that basket. And I was freaking out. I was like, I can't pay my car. I can't pay my mortgage. I have two kids and I'm going to have to go to Walmart and get a job or something like that. Go to McDonald's. Um, 
and then out of nowhere, it kind of just blew up. So the way I started was like a hundred dollars a month. Like my services were really cheap. Um, and you know, at this point I always make a joke that mobility coaches are always the last to join the party. As you said, you know, uh, fitness coaching and nutrition, those are things that people see as a top, top priority. Right. And then they don't, a lot of people don't even know that mobility coaching is a thing. We kind of joined the party once people are looking for answers for their pain. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they're pushing a barbell overhead and their shoulders are bugging out or their low back hurts when they're squatting or, you know, hip is pinching. That's, that's where we jump in. And, you know, people will generally say, I've been following Romwad or GoWad or something like that. And uh, it's gotten me this far. It's been amazing. Uh, I just need something that's a little bit more detailed. And that's what we do, right? Like we're a coaching company. Um, so we provide answers into like the, the deeper root cause of people's issues as opposed to the symptom that's coming up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's a hard sell in the sense that people don't necessarily know it's a thing. Um, and people don't necessarily know they, they want it until they're at a point where they feel they need it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I suppose like, I know I found you through Emma Lawson. So she's probably your, I guess your most well-known, uh, client, I guess. Um, and she, well, when this comes out, she'll have taken to the floor at Madison, um, in the age group for the last time, I think. Um, so like when you work with someone who obviously there's, there's a benefit there because it's like a large audience, like a lot of eyes. So that's like great for getting the word out. But then like, is it difficult to work with someone who it has been athletic for so long and from such a young age and performing at such a high level? Um, or like, is it more about like tweaking and fine tuning small little things that like, say you might notice that will pay off further down the line. But if, you know, most uh, not mobility focused coaches would see it to be no real alarm bells from it, but you can see like, okay, you're doing this tiny thing that we need to fix because when you go to try and snatch like 90 kilos, it's going to be an issue or that kind of thing. Or is it still the same process of everything needs to be loose? Everything needs to be fluid regardless of what level you're working at. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, it's always going to vary on the individual as well. Like Emma Lawson is a, a phenomenal, not only a phenomenal athlete, but just a great person in general as well. Hmm. She's 16 years old and has such a great head on her shoulders. Um, so she knows a lot about her body and, you know, what she's doing and she's just fully invested in her experience. So she can be there to give me a lot of insight into her body and a lot of feedback on our programming to make sure that we are addressing the, the problems that she's feeling, but she like her coach and her um, have been working on some certain things for quite some time. Um, and, you know, there's, there's certain things that seem to flare up for her every five to six months or something yeah, like okay. that, which is a good kind of insight for me as to what might be going on. And again, we, we dive deeper into the root cause, right? So this, let's say uh, low back pain, doesn't necessarily mean that low back is is the issue right uh, perhaps it's it's the pelvic positioning or hip extension is the issue um, so we like or even uh, ankle stability right depending on when you start to feel those pains so every every time somebody comes to us with um, at, especially at that high level 
with an issue, um, we, we need to kind of take a step back and have a look at what's going on. Full assessment needs to be done, of course, uh, but we, we can't just kind of jump the gun on everything and just assume that everything needs to be loose, right? Because yeah. a lot of the time it's, it's mostly stability and just control is the issue. And then like, like I've spoken to people who have done, you know, like high level, they've done like strength and conditioning courses, like fairly intense and long courses, or they've done, you know, their level two or their level three with CrossFit, which are, you know, like, uh, have a fairly high fail rate. So, you know, that they're, you know, they're pretty, uh, stringent about who they let through. And like a lot of these courses ask people to assess someone's movement or to look at, you know, like to give tips. And I remember one of my friends was telling me he was doing it and someone was doing a push jerk. And he said that the, the coach made them do it like 40 times. And he was like, it was just soul destroying. Cause he said, I fixed, like starting at the toes, working my way up. I fixed like 10 different things. And she was like, every time he said, oh, now do this. And then, no, that's not it. And then he'd be like, oh, what? Like, and he was like, in the end, there was just the smallest. It was a push jerk. I think he was coaching. And there was the smallest use of arms before the legs had locked out. And that's what she was picking up on. Um, and now afterwards, they were like, you know, it was perfect coaching. It's just you always need to strive for better, basically. But I've talked to other people who, you know, in a strength and conditioning course, the, 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 the lead coach might be watching them coach someone else. And they'd be pick, the, like, the head coach would be picking up on like the smallest little bit of toe movement on the little toe on the left foot or something. And whereas as a coach, I suppose your eye is drawn to like knees, hips, like chest, like the, the kind of... Uh, I suppose those red warning signs that I talked about earlier, like the, maybe the easier things to fix, like when you're assessing people or when you're even just like in a gym, are you like, Oh, that guy's ankle there is like something wrong with his ankle or like, Oh, her shoulders, whatever. Like, do you start off with say the massive issues first and then eventually you're working on those little toe movements and stuff? Yeah, it totally depends on what the person is coming to me for and with if they're talking to me about a specific issue, then I kind of reverse engineer it from there. And, and, you know, the body has a way of kind of puzzling things together when there's an issue, right? So certain problems often are led from other specific things and you kind of would start there. And if that's not the issue, then you kind of just continue down the chain, right? So a lot of people will see problems that stem from the ankles uh, and, they don't even realize it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and I'm a sucker for the human body. So when I'm seeing somebody in the gym or something that's not moving optimally, like for what they're trying to do. Um, and I, I, I want to, I, I kind of hesitate to say something like that because I'm a big believer that I don't think there's necessarily any wrong movement. It's just that there's lack of preparedness for it. Yeah. Um, I can dive in a little bit deeper on that if you want, but I'm, I'm always catching myself looking at someone and being like, Oh, that guy would really benefit from, from stabilizing his, his ankles or, you know, strengthening his dorsiflexion or something like yeah. that. And is it, you know what I mean? So yeah, I, it's a, kind of a blessing and a curse <laughs> and Oh my God, my daughter was born with, with clubbed feet. I'll tell you, man, that's that one. I thought I was going to freak out when she was born. I thought her feet were the cutest little things, but now every time I look at her when she's walking, I'm just seeing the instability in her ankles. And I'm like, Oh, I can't wait until you're old enough to start taking cues. Cause we're going to start working on that right away. It's, it's yeah. hard not to pay attention to these types of things. Right. Yeah. But even like my own daughter, when, 
you know when she was learning to walk we were like why are our toes turned in like should we be you know like and it's like just yeah. maybe leave them for a little while and like but you kind of yeah you can't help but I suppose be a bit of a perfectionist about it especially when they're learning to walk but I think that comes from especially when you're an adult and then if you if you find training and if you find um fitness later on in life I always think you've probably made so many fuck-ups throughout your life that have led to like inconsistencies now and annoyances now and niggles now and stuff that you're like man if I could go back to when I was like 12 to when I started rounding my shoulders I'd be like if I could just like pat myself in the back and be like don't fucking do that you regret it <laughs> oh man yeah and lifestyle like our lifestyle habits play a huge part in in how our body moves as well right especially those for like uh desk workers i was gonna say like for a long period of time i was thinking so the last like 18 months i guess more and more people are working from home and like a lot of people are working from home in um what would you call it like rooms or scenarios that are like suboptimal for working so they might be working with their laptop on their lap which like the name would suggest it's like you know designed for but apparently it's not um or they might be like have their laptop on like a kid's desk or on a vanity table or on the kitchen table or wherever like these are you know they seem fine but then over time if the laptop is slightly lower than it should be you're going to like round i guess or hunch um and then like things like chairs like what kind of chair you're sitting in how long you're sitting in it for and i thought of a random one the other day of like phones like so like if, if someone's on their phone they never have it like up you know it's always down which i suppose like will draw your shoulders down and then especially a lot of people use their phone in one hand so surely like their whole body if they're right-handed say their whole body a lot of the time if they're on their phone is going to be slightly shifted to one side and like one shoulder is going to be forward and one is going to be back like are you noticing changes in the issues people are bringing say even in that small of a window even in the last like 18 months or do you think that the issues that people have are always consistent but the causes of the issues might change the causes of the issues have started a long time ago yeah um the fact that we need like ergonomic chairs ergonomic mouses and you know (laughs) desks and everything is is kind of a crazy a crazy thought right like I think it's Kelly Starrett who says uh sitting is the new smoking it really does break down your body incredibly quickly and I would say yeah you're right definitely the over the last 18 months with uh with the pandemic and people being forced to work from home there's a lot a lot more people sitting for more extended periods of time and even partaking less in fitness and movement in general Hmm. um but I would say that those problems are, it's an accumulative thing. It's, it's compounded over time. You know, we're going to start to see the effects of those problems probably within the next year as they're going to start to accumulate quicker now. Right. But those problems have been around for a long, a long, long time now. And I don't think that we've necessarily noticed that they're, they're getting worse. They're just, it's, it's hard to say simply because our company is growing and more people are becoming aware of us now as well. So um, we're starting to see more people that are desk workers and, and passionate about their fitness in, in general. So what, I can't really speak to the point of... What would be the answer? Like is standing desk then, is that the logical solution to having, like requiring a desk to do your job? 
but not wanting to lead to issues further down the line is the is the, the quickest solution to just not sit down then uh no i don't think like sitting for an extended period of time is what's bad Okay. Doing anything for an extended period of time is not really great for your body. Our bodies are, they thrive off of movement, right? So I would say the answer is if you don't have a stand-up desk, um, stand-up desk is a phenomenal option for sure, because you can get up and sit down. If you don't have one, get out of your chair every 30 minutes and just open up your hips, uh, rotate your spine a little bit, even just doing like a good two minute stretch routine, like just moving your body a little bit and opening yeah. up your joints that's going to have a massive uh, impact on how your body moves for the rest of your life. Yeah. As I said, uh, you know, our lifestyle habits are really what kind of make or break us. If we're sitting for 10 hours a day from work, uh, com- commute to work, dinner, TV, you know, we sit down for a long period of time, right? Um, if you can find a way to just get more movement and open up your joints uh, throughout the day, periodically, you're going to see a much bigger impact as opposed to, um, you know, just, just standing up. Yeah. It's funny. I'm, I'm really fighting hard not to be like whipping out a list of issues. <laughs> it's just being like, what do you think is causing this? Like when you were talking about cars, I get like, uh, I'm not looking for a solution to this now. This is just like a, an example, I think of what you're talking about. Like my like right knee and calf and quad if I'm driving for a prolonged period of time, like anything over an hour, just start like seizing up. Like I get like pain in my knee. And if I, you know, like splay my knee out, my hip clicks and it relieves it for 10, 15 minutes. And then it slowly starts again. And then I realized the other day, I'm fucked for this now in September because we have a second child arriving. But the other day I realized that if I push my chair back further, thus like stretching out that leg because our accelerator is on the right foot like so if i stretch out that leg more the issue totally disappears like it's no longer an issue it's because i'm my foot is closer to or my knee is close to like 90 degrees i think for a prolonged period that's what's causing it or whatever but it's interesting when you think about like all of the technology we have that's designed to make our lives easier is like i suppose like slowly degrading different parts of our posture and you know even you think of i mentioned the phone and then like the steering wheel like you know you're obviously going to be a little bit rounded unless you have your chair like who takes the time to perfectly set up their chair before they drive a car or a seat or whatever like they're going to be a little bit rounded um so yeah it is interesting um and then like you know like gyms as well they're a great place to um to grimace when it comes to form and posture and i like i'm including myself in this so i'm not throwing shade at anyone (laughs) but like where do you think the majority of those issues lie? Like, is the, is it in the movement patterns that are compounded over time, like in the gym and aren't being fixed or is the damage being done away from the gym? And then it's too difficult to fit. Like people skip the step of fixing it and like load instead. Yeah. There's kind of a two part window there. Uh, in terms of like movement patterns, movement mechanics, a lot of it doesn't necessarily stem from poor mobility. You can have somebody who has great range of motion and shit movement patterns. And uh, that's just because there's a lack of awareness and a lack of connection, right? So that neurological move, like understanding how your body's moving, that goes a long way. And a lot of people don't have that necessarily developed. A lot of that comes with experience, right? you can develop better movement mechanics, understanding how to move through a squat pattern, for example, the more you practice it. Yeah. 
And then there's also that second part where, yeah, some people it's, it's just a, a lot of restrictions in certain areas in the ankles, maybe knees don't like to get into deep flexion. Maybe they just, you know, their hips are restricted. It's hard to say, uh, usually if it's kind of more of a mechanics thing, or if it's really a restriction thing, certain things will kind of tell you, but, um, is that, is that the difference that you were talking about earlier on about being prepared to move? Remember you said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I was saying is like, I don't believe there's necessarily any bad movements. I feel like there's lack of preparedness for mm. movements. And what I meant by that is, you know, bad movements in the sense that there's certain things that get demonized in the fitness industry, like uh, spinal flexion or the knees over toes position is another yeah. good one. Um, you know, in the gym class, when you were a kid, you always heard the gym teacher saying, don't let your knees pass over your toes when you're squatting or lunging or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, Because it's dangerous for the knees. Uh, It's only dangerous if you haven't prepared your body for that. So for example, if you're going to do a deadlift, and you know, you're trying to PR your deadlift, and you've never PR your deadlift before, and all you've done is training perfect, neutral spine position. And now in this deadlift PR, you're going for a big PR and then your spine is now going into a flex position. Your spine is rounding. That can be dangerous because your body has never used that position in loading. Whereas if you've trained that position, you've become more aware of how to use that position and you've loaded it slowly and effectively and, uh, you know, periodized it and grown into the, like a strength position um, or grown that into a strength position, I should say it's no longer dangerous. Right. So that's kind of what I meant. There's lack of preparedness. There's, I don't really see any movement as a bad movement. Our body is meant to be able to move in so many different ranges of motion. So say if you saw me deadlifting, cause I ran my back, like depends if I really, really concentrate on it. I don't, but like in general, I do, you wouldn't, you would try and fix that. Surely that would be your first step would be to try and fix that rather than, Oh, that's fine because he's preparing himself to do it. No. If you've been doing that for it's, that's kind of a can of worms right there. So if you've been doing that for a (laughs) long period of time, (laughs) if you've been, uh, if you've been doing it for a long period of time, you're likely very strong in that position and you're probably stronger in that position than you are in a neutral position. So it kind of depends why you're doing it. Is it because you're restricted? If you're very restricted, sure, I will be trying to pick that apart and make sure that we can fix it. So you're not doing that strictly because you're, you're restricted in your body or, you know, are you, are your goals performance related? If they are, then that's potentially energy leaks as well. Yeah. So it's, as I said, it's kind of a big can of worms. It totally depends why you're rounding your back and what your goals are. So if you're kind of coming to me with tons of back pain or, you know, tons of shoulder pain. And this is one of the big things that we're seeing. I would like to see why that's happening versus just the fact that it is happening. Um, do you watch the Simpsons? Uh, I used to. I have for a long time. There's an episode where Mr. Burns is sick and he goes to hospital. And uh, I think Dr. Hibbett says, well, if we, if you think about everybody trying to go through one door and nobody can get in, he actually has so many diseases that none of them <laughs> can affect him because they none of them can get in the door because they're all trying to get in at once. That's what I think of when you say, well, I need to start picking apart why you're moving the way you're moving. I'm like, hang on a minute. All of these like 
mistakes I'm making are integral to me being able to stand upright and move. I feel like if you start fixing one, everything else is going to fall apart. It's like a, a house of cards, but the bottom row of cards are all bent, but they're bent in just the right way that it keeps the house of cards up. A lot of, a lot of people, you know, will be restricted mostly in one area or ha- like limited in one area. Yeah. Um, and then other things are kind of a, an accumulation of that. Right. Yeah. So yes, once you start picking apart, like the biggest issue, little smaller things start to start to climb up and then you slowly address those over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of the name of the game as well. Right. I watched um, the games documentary recently. I think this will kind of play into what you were just talking about there about rounding your back and stuff where during the total, you could see like knee cave, and other stuff when they were squatting, like, you know, as they were coming up, their knees were like full on touching um, as they're coming up, which you're always told, oh, like definitely like, you know, it, it seems like a, uh, a more truthful line than don't let your knees go over your toes of like, well, there's something wrong there if that's happening. But like when you're performing at that level, is it a case of putting in the work throughout the year so that those like breakdowns in form and mobility occur later on and like at the highest possible level so that you know it doesn't hinder their performance Do you know like so that obviously if that's happening in their first rep with an empty bar if their knees are touching you're like whoa, whoa okay never mind like we need to stop doing that whereas when it's happening at 200 kilos or whatever it's like yeah i mean how often are they going to do that it's probably all mm-hmm. right like they're really at the peak performance level yeah i mean like you're referring to knee valgus like where the knees are caving that's such a common thing. And as you said, I think it was Tia Toomey. I remember seeing that last at the last and it was slow mo as well. So it really accentuated. Yeah, really accentuated it. So you got to see it in detail. And it was almost the point where their knees her knees were touching. Yeah. And I remember thinking that doesn't look good, but she's also an elite athlete mm. squatting. I think it was like three was it three twenty five or something, something like, like that. that yeah. And, you know, she moved it easily. She didn't have any pain. And that just goes to show that she likely, you know, when she does hit her higher numbers, she will have that movement. That's just her stronger position, right? Like her body is just more adapted to that position and pushing weight through that position. And there are studies showing that knee valgus isn't really a very dangerous thing. Right. So, I mean, again, it comes down to energy leaks as well. Like where, like what is something that isn't optimal for your performance, as you said, and is it worth correcting? Right. So if you're at that level, you're obviously doing something right. And there's certain things that we're going to want to pick apart and rebuild from the foundation and certain things that isn't worth our time because, you know, at, at a level like that, she's already investing six hours into training a day something like that right yeah. so how much more do we need to add in that's really going to give her the bang for her buck in terms of investing into something like mobility right yeah um yeah i always get a bit annoyed i can't remember the name of the account which is probably better that i'm not going to be like calling someone out on a podcast <laughs> but there's a girl who does she critiques lifts and i like I know she's doing it. I know she's picking CrossFitters because it will get a reaction, but she does like say the heavy clean at the games last year or two years ago, there was like a one rep max clean. And uh, yeah, she was like critiquing them about how, Oh, they didn't set up to the bar properly. And you know, they did this, they did that or whatever. And 
like throughout I'm kind of thinking like but this is like their chuck it and see effort like this is their like fuck it I might get a PR if I go for this like you know this is after like four days of or three days of really intense competition and this is their la- like they're literally just like oh fuck it I might as well try it uh and then she's like, you know, they're not uh, correctly braced there at the bottom. And it's kind of like, oh, come on. Like when you're performing at this level, surely there's a, 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 I guess, like what you're saying there, that there's a certain level of like give and take where it's kind of like, OK, it's not affecting performance. It's not optimal, but it's not affecting performance. And if we did spend the amount of time it would take to fix it, might only get like one pound added to whatever's happening anyway. Yeah, as you said, I mean, when they're performing at that level after four four days of competing there you can't expect perfection that's yeah. kind of impossible right yeah yeah well fraser was pretty good but apart from that <laughs> um yeah <laughs> if you could uh if you could give the average uh joe or jane um a focus for their movement like say a general kind of catch as much as you can within a small window if everyone had like say most people would be able to find 10 minutes in their day somewhere mm-hmm. is there like what areas of focus would you advise people to focus on? Like, are there more important parts than others? Like say, if you thought of like the obvious ones you might think of are like hips, uh, like ankles over say wrists and chest are probably lower down on the list. Would they be, is that fair? Or do you think that it's an equal playing field as far as that's concerned? Yeah. If I'm going to give people advice, uh, we have something that, at primal that we refer to as the big three in mobility. Um, and that's ankles, hips, and thoracic spine. So if you're looking for the biggest bang for your buck in terms of how to approach your mobility, regardless of what your goals are, if you address the hips, the ankles, and the thoracic spine, you're going to see results across your body. So those areas have the biggest play in how the rest of the body moves. Like if you're looking at your ankles, you're, you're, you're going to be supporting the knees, the Mm. hips supporting that low back, the thoracic spine, shoulders, neck, even the low back, right? So if you address those big three areas, there's going to be uh, progress from, from all sorts, uh, all sorts of angles. And, you know, I wouldn't have prime mobility. Our focus is a strength-based approach. We put people into a stretched position and then have them put in work there. So activating their muscles, developing control of those deep end ranges of uh, motion and uh, developing a connection, right? Understanding that you can use these ranges of motion. And um, that's something that I would suggest implementing into your mobility work. Don't necessarily think that mobility is foam rolling or just static stretching. You need to be able to understand that mobility is the uh, the presence of strength within your flexibility. So you need to have those deep ranges of motion and you need to ha- know how to use them. So when it comes to the ankles, hips, and thoracic, get into those stretch positions and then activate your muscles, connect to those deeper ranges of motion and use them. Yeah. And range of motion with force of light. Sounds like my worst fucking nightmare to be honest. But yeah, I could definitely see see the the benefit of it. Because even like I think back to myself, I remember like overhead squatting with a dowel back. Our gym had a different layout at the time. Like I can vividly remember myself standing where I was standing and like nothing was happening. And then like, you know, trying it with a bar and sit like I was being kind of being forced into the position because the bar is heavier than the stick. Like so right. the bar was a bit more in control than I was. So you just kind of push down, I suppose. 
but again it was like oh am I getting to parallel and it's kind of like nearly like you know and then now like my squad is better than it ever has been for the last like you know maybe six months it's just been vastly improved because I've just spent time down there I've like you know stripped the weight back and forced myself to be down there for longer and stayed down there and stuff and it like you know what you're saying resonates of that thing of like okay you need to be in the position that you want to be in and then you need to like stay there spend some time there and apply some pressure there to keep you there because you know I've often had uh like our gym is very good for doing like say move better at the start of every class like there's a few little like uh kind of movement based warm-ups like you know the book stretch and a few little bits like that thrown in like to kind of teach us them I suppose and they did a lot of flexibility stuff over lockdown and um like I remember a year year and a half ago like doing a movement and my coach like Joe saying to me like oh can you feel your glutes firing and I was like I don't know like they're there but what, what do you mean can I feel how do I how do I ask them like what do I do to to ascertain that information from them and it comes down to that like what you're saying of the experience I suppose where you just develop like oh that's what that feels like mm-hmm. yeah it's it's awareness and connection right and that's like one of the pillars that we follow as well or that we implement into our work is helping our members develop a deeper awareness and connection now mm. awareness is basically understanding how your body moves understanding the compensations that you're going through for whatever reason, be it restrictions or just weakness. Um, And then connection is being able to connect to your body, firing your muscles in those deeper ranges of motion or in generally weaker areas. Mm. Um, And something that we say is, you know, whatever your goal is, if you spend more time, spend more time in the positions that you want to improve, just like you said, so as you, like a great example is that squat depth. If you want to improve your squat, spend more time sitting in a deep squat and trying to turn your body on in that position. And over time, that position will, and it won't take very long, a few weeks maybe, that position will start to get more comfortable. Mm. You'll feel more stable, more confident in there, and it will improve. And that's that's kind of the concept that we bring into our work is get you into positions that your body generally doesn't go into and start to get you comfortable there by getting you to spend more time and and work in those deeper positions. So one thing I I wanted to bring up real quick is that um, a lot of people don't understand that mobility really is control. It's controlling your ranges of motion, right? So you can absolutely improve your mobility through your training as well. Like just like, for example, um, like tempo squats, sinking deeper and controlling into as deep as you can into that deep squat position that's going to help you improve your mobility over time is like controlling into those ranges of motion or actively uh, working through a uh, an overhead squat sorry um, controlling into a deep overhead squat position is going to help you open up and stabilize your shoulders into a deeper range of motion. And just like how your body adapts to heavier and heavier squats, your body also adapts very similarly to deeper and deeper ranges of motion. Yeah. So like you don't always need to dedicate a crazy amount of time to mobility. You just need to start being intentional with how you're moving. And that, that in itself goes a very long way. Yeah, like it's interesting because I never, in improving my squat depth, I never actually did anything differently outside of how I was squatting. Like I never, you know, focused 
you know, I never like foam rolled differently. I never stretched differently. I never warmed up differently. I just squatted differently. And then because I was doing that, it kind of played into my, like the warm ups. Say we do like a hip complex at the start of our warm up, started to feel easier and easier because of what I was doing when I was squatting. So it kind of had, I suppose, what most people would expect to be the converse effect of like, it should be the warm up that in your head, like it should be the warm up that's uh, having an effect on the work that you're doing. Whereas my reality was the work I was doing was making the warm up easier because my hips were able to get into positions because they were being forced into positions like when I was doing the work. Yeah. As your mobility improves, your warm ups should, should be a lot easier too, right? Like you won't yeah. need as much time to warm up and you know, that also leads to better recovery because you're not placing as much unnecessary stress on your joints, yeah. right? Like imagine pushing into an overhead position, but you don't have good thoracic extension or shoulder flexion. Your shoulders have to hold so much stronger and your low back is going to have to compensate to get into a good effective position. You're placing unnecessary stress on your body. So as you improve your mobility, your recovery naturally improves as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you mentioned on the primal mobility website, like one of the first lines you see when you log on is foam rollers and the crossballs don't work. Um, <laughs> I assume it's what you've mentioned of the, the static, uh, stretching and, you know, like how there's a better way to do things or a more long-term way to do things. Is there a place for, um, like massage guns, lacrosse balls, like that kind of thing? in mobility do you think there's definitely a place for these tools they're absolutely not necessary um there's a place for them mostly in recovery yeah so these are i would i would definitely put these things more along the lines of into recovery tools than mobility tools they they are classified in mobility tools that's what everyone calls them um but essentially when it comes to foam rolling, massage guns, stuff like that, they do provide a temporary opening of flexibility. So you will increase your ranges of motion for a very short period of time. And that's where, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a mobility tool because you don't, you're not building any strength control within those ranges of motion. They're just kind of opening things up and your body's going to kind of shut them back down over time. Yeah. Right. So mobility, we want to open things up and then develop strength and awareness into those positions, control, stability, all these good things so that they last a longer period of time. And they're not just shutting that window again. Yeah. Um, what could a member of Primal expect to experience um, and I suppose walk away with at the end of their membership? Um, we... So our big approach is to help our members develop a much deeper relationship with their body. So a lot of people will be coming in with complaints of certain symptoms and we help them dive in and understand their body as to what's causing those symptoms. What is the root cause that deeper root cause that is having those symptoms flare up. I want our members to understand that and learn more about their body. And then from there, we teach them how to address that. So one, the people coming in, they can expect to learn why their body is uh, causing these symptoms, where, why they have these goals. And then two, understand how to approach it on a deeper level with, uh, with ranges of motion, control, strength, um, and stability exercises. So is the aim then to make uh, 
kind of counterintuitively, I suppose, to make yourself obsolete for the client that you take on over time. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. In my opinion, that's, that's a service that's very, very valuable. And that's, that's something we're always striving for. We've, as I said, we've grown a lot over the last year and a half, especially. Um, and we've changed our approach three times uh, in terms of how we program, in terms of how we support our members. And we're constantly building up to that next level of how can we get people their answers even faster. Hmm. Um, and that's, that just makes us more valuable as a company, in my opinion. And um, that's always the goal. Yeah, we're very, we're very member oriented, very focused on, on providing the highest level of service and getting you those answers as quick as we can, while also making sure it's sustainable. Hmm. Right. So we have, we have members that come in and they just, they just love it and they don't have to think about their, their mobility work. They just sign in and go um, and they'll stick around for a long period of time. And then there's some other members that just want to hop in, get their answers and then, and move on. And, you know, we respect that as well. So we're there to continue to provide the highest level we can and give people the answers that they're looking for in their body. And if they understand their body on a deeper level, five, 10 years down the road, when something's bothering them, they'll be able to address it more effectively on their own, as opposed to having, you know, having to hire uh, another mobility coach, come back to us, or even go see a PT if things get worse, right? A mm. physical therapist. Um, okay, well, look, we finished with a quick fire. Um, so snatch or clean? Cleans. Uh, push press or bench press? Push press. Um, best hip mobility drill? Anything hip extension related. Okay, so like couch stretch, like that kind of thing? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> or or let me, let, me, let me back up. Internal rotation is just as important as hip extension. So the thing is, if I give you a name of an exercise, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. So oh, try me. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go as simple as possible. Just some basic 90-90 work then. Oh, I know that. Yeah, that's, See? that's a I know some stuff. Thing, right? I just, just because I don't implement it doesn't mean I don't know it. So if, if you want to get a little bit more creative than like um, some 90-90 internal hip rotation, like pales rails, that's, that's actively developing ranges of motion as opposed to just kind of passively stretching. Okay. Um, assault bike or row? Rower. Yeah. I'm just thinking on the last one there, you could have just made up something and I would have just lost <laughs> over it. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I, just I moved did, on. yeah. yeah um, exactly. Best shoulder mobility drill? Uh, dead hangs. Yeah. I, oh, I'm always in awe of Tim Poulsen is the best I've seen do it, where he hangs like single, single arm, armedly, single armed. Um, from, so he hangs with both and he just lets one go and like, just to, uh, like he's a heavy guy, like, and he's just totally, totally fine. He's spinning everything. He's just totally fine. Um, I've tried it. And I like let go of one side and instantly just drops the hand. So like, yeah, I think it's that's probably something you need to build up to. Um, run or ski? Run. Uh, dumbbell or barbell? Barbell. Best ankle mobility drill. Dorsiflexion pales rails. All right, just explain pales rails to me because you said it twice now, and I pretended <laughs> I knew what it was the first time. So yeah, yeah. So it stands for progressive angular isometric loading and regressive 
angular isometric loading. So it's like, it's a real fancy way of saying, get into the deep stretch of dorsiflexion. So I'm not sure if you're also like that position on a bench and put like, say a kettlebell on your knee and push forward, like that kind of thing. That's a classic dorsiflexion okay. stretch. Yeah. So pushing your knee far over your toes, that's dorsiflexion position okay. for the ankle. And then from there in that deep position, you go through your pails contraction, which is uh, pressing on the gas pedal. And then your rails contraction, which is pulling your toes up to try and touch the top of your foot to your shin. Okay. So you're activating both the lengthened portion of the muscle and the shortened portion of the muscle, uh, the joint at the front. Okay. That's interesting. I can actually picture something you said there. So that's good. <laughs> um, Hopefully I painted a good picture there. Yeah, no, I can get it. Yeah. So you're upside down. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Those are dead eggs. <laughs> yeah. uh, so listen, thanks a million for coming on. Um, that was great. Uh, best of luck with everything primal mobility uh, related. I hope your growth continues as you've experienced it over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, and you keep going from strength to strength. Um, and yeah, I, I could pretend that we know how Emma did, but we're recording this before the games actually happened. So that could like, unless we recorded two alternative outcomes, but that would be a bit tricky. Um, but yeah, I'm sure she'll benefit from what you guys have been doing. Um, and yeah, thanks again. This is great. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot for having me. This is a good conversation. I'm stoked to watch the games and, and see how our athletes are doing. Cause yeah, so we're working with Emma Lawson and Emily Rolf right now. Okay. Um, so I'm very excited to see. God, Emily Rolf, girls she's do. really gone all in cause she has, she has like a mindset coach as well, uh, this year. Yeah. So she's really yeah, she's, gone in. She has gone in for sure. I, I feel like this, this is a, a really good year for her. She's, she's invested a ton of time, energy, and uh effort into all of this so i think she's gonna go and 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 perform at a really high level this year yeah that's exciting to see uh and emma lawson you can expect to just she's gonna do some really really big things over the next few years for sure yeah i don't think that's a name that's going anywhere i actually remember i'm 99.9 percent .9 sure it was her we were at uh the games in madison in 2019 and there was a girl from canada training the day before the games were on in the park doing a run like a loop run around the park and then swimming and it was like there was a guy there who i was like it's either her coach or her dad i'm not sure and then like there was another younger girl like uh, i assumed like a sister or else the coach's kid or whatever um but yeah i remember being like jesus that person is incredibly fit assuming it was like a 20 year old and then I realized afterwards that like, oh, no, that was a teen athlete. And yeah, I like I'm 99.9. My wife is convinced it was her. I'm not as convinced. But yeah, I mean, if that was her at whatever, 14, like, geez, it's actually scary when you think of what they could be capable of further down the line. Yeah, the teen athletes at this point in the game are just on another level. And it's yeah. like, yeah, they're they're really raising the raising the bar lately. And Emma Lawson is right up there, man. Like she's she's totally got what it takes yeah and it's crazy um, to think she would have been 14 at that time and yeah, kind of mistake <laughs> mistook her for a, an adult yeah yeah <laughs> uh, she was uh running away from me so i assume she was like far away and i thought she was tall or something or i don't know okay um yeah well listen thanks again cheers man yeah thanks a lot i appreciate it